0: from nashville tennessee i'm your host gary holt this is equestrian legacy radio's campfire cafe Stephanie Lane and Cowgirl Tough to start things off on this Thursday for the Campfire Cafe. And again, I'm your host, Gary Holt. Thanks for joining us. We have a tremendous show today. We have our special guest that will be joining us, Jennifer Dennison, who is the senior editor of Western Horseman Magazine and Cowgirl singer-songwriter Adrian Buckaroo Cowgirl, Buckaroo Girl Brannon will be joining us. So we're going to have a lot of fun, so stay tuned and enjoy the ride today on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe. We would like to thank our sponsors, and those are the sponsors you'll find on our website in the general store where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle. And with our Legacy Select horse camp grounds and guest ranches for the finest riding destinations in North America, be sure and visit our Legacy Select horse campgrounds and guest ranches and you'll find all of those on our website at equestrianlegacy.net now grab a big cup of coffee take a deep seat in the saddle and when we come back we'll be talking with jennifer dennison today on the campfire cafe on equestrian legacy radio heard around the world streaming live online and on demand at (laughs) equestrianlegacy.net
1: Soviet wind that brings another in. Along that dusty trail, I take up my stand. The steers are big and bold, and the nights are often cold. But I'll be fine as long as I can throw. Get done at night All the stars are big and bright But then it's kind of what you used to when you throw throw that rope, ram that wind may blow and y'all see me in the rain and snow we're just an old campfire Got no wife, I'll be
0: Well, that's Clint Bradley's doggone cowboy from his tremendous CD, Riding After Midnight. And Miss Jennifer Dennison is a Colorado cowgirl and uh, my kind of gal. She loves horses. She loves the Western culture and lifestyle. She loves her coffee and she loves her wine. So we've just got a whole lot of things in common. And Jennifer, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you, Gary. It's an honor to be here and be among all of your listeners.
0: Well, I've been looking forward to having you with us for for weeks and weeks now. So we're so glad that you're able to join us. And by the way, you are my my savior today. We usually have our musical guest first, as our audience knows, and then we talk horses and and with our horse guest in the second hour of the show. But Miss Adrienne is running a bit behind. She's covering some flooding. That's going on out in Santa Barbara, and so thank you for coming on no early.
2: Problem. Well, yeah. You know, if there's one thing for sure, we have to be flexible in this world and help each other out.
0: We do, we do, we do. So Adrian owes you big time for this, as as I do, <laughs> as I do. Hey, we want to find out a little bit about you, though. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background growing up. And how your interest in horses and the Western lifestyle came to be.
2: Well, I was raised in Colorado in a town called Woodland Park, which is about thirty miles west of Colorado Springs. And I grew up in a little log cabin in town, but it was you know during a time when there weren't housing associations and covenants like there were today. And um, we had horses in our backyard. My dad was an avid horseman. He enjoyed hunting and packing, and he even competed in wild horse racing when I was growing up. And Oh, wow. He dreamed. Yeah, he always dreamed of having a little girl who wanted to ride horses, um, and he also enjoyed mules. So I have a lot of photos of me before I could even walk sitting on horses and mules, and they're some of my most treasured possessions.
0: Oh, how cool! That's a great way to grow up. Hey, for our audience that's listening, um, maybe back here in the east and and in Europe and some of our foreign countries, uh, tell everybody about about what wild horse racing is.
2: Wild horse racing. Well, it's a there's actually an association. It's a competitive sport with its own finals, um, but it's also used as a rodeo entertainment, and it's where a wild horse is released from the chute and there are three-man teams. Two guys mug the horse or kind of get it restrained while another saddles the horse and gets on it and rides to across the finish line. It's very action-packed and has some danger to it as well.
0: Oh wow. And how many how many how many three-man teams or person teams would be out at the same time? In the They're arena. all
2: out at the same time. And I think that probably depends on the rodeo. But I, you know, usually, you know, there could be six teams out there, maybe more, depending on the size of the arena and the event.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. That looks like that would be a lot of fun to watch. I could see where there's some, some excitement in that. Might replace PBR if they could get uh, some I TV doubt coverage it. for <laughs> <laughs> it, it,
2: it. It's a lot of chaos and a crowd favorite where they do have it
0: oh that is so cool that is so cool so when did you get your first horse
2: i got my first horse um yeah i rode on and off growing up um my dad really wanted me to be involved and but i didn't get my first horse probably until i was about 12. Um, we were at a local rodeo and that was a tradition my family to go to rodeo and i watched uh colorado barrel racer make her run and i told my dad i wanted to do that and the very next day not kidding he showed up with an appaloosa mare
3: <laughs>
2: and, and we it was the horse was pretty spirited and i rode it for a little bit and then we, we went through a few other horses till we found the perfect horse whose name was okie's pink pokey and <laughs> He was an Oaky Leo bred horse, and I rode that horse from the time I was probably 13 years old up until he, he passed away probably four or five years ago. And I oh, wow. did barrel racing in the National Little Bridges Rodeo Association. In college, I did some jackpots. And um, I also was very active in 4-H, and that laid the foundation for my horsemanship.
0: Well, that is so. That is so cool. I, I, you and I got to visit a little bit yesterday. I did not think to tell you when we were talking about 4-H, but back here in my hometown, I actually started the 4-H horse and pony project. And um, when we had our first cha- first competition locally for the um, for the fair, I was the only entry. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And those, those were the days when you might not have a trailer, but you had a pickup truck with old stock rack on the back of it. So you had to find a ditch, you know, you could back into and load your horse and, and, uh, and then another one to unload when you got there. So 4-H is a great, great organization.
2: It was, it definitely taught me the fundamentals of good horsemanship, Managing a horse, responsibility, and as well as leadership.
0: Well, and then, uh, how did your interest in the Western lifestyle come about? Was it from just the fact that you grew up in Colorado and attended rodeos when you were growing up, and were involved in horses, or, or what were the influences?
2: Well, my dad played a major role in that. He enjoyed everything about the West, and very much um, embrace the heart of the cowboy and cowboy ethics and the codes and so I was raised with those and you know going to rodeos throughout my life and spending time with country people and I was um, married for a while to a man whose family had a working cattle operation in near Fair Play Colorado and so I was very much a part of that and that just fed my interest and and it's pretty cool when you can make your interest and your passion
0: also your career. Everybody would love to have that happen. So I think I told you I almost envied you your job because of what you get to do. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, let's kind of fast forward from, from high school and 4-H to, uh, to college. So where did you go to school and, and what were your majors there?
2: I attended Colorado State University up in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I majored in equine sciences and journalism. I really wanted to be involved in the horse industry and and thought getting an equine science degree was the answer to that. And my parents had other advice with that, that I also needed to get a practical major that would carry me into any industry. If for some reason horses didn't work out so that's where journalism came in for me and I always enjoyed writing and taking photographs and everything that encompasses what my job is now so I got the double major and it has served me well um, since my graduation which was in 1995
0: so what was your first uh, what was your first venture into the into the horse publication world
2: my first opportunity in the horse publication world and probably what launched my career was when i was in a sophomore in college one of my news writing instructors brought me an application for a scholarship that was being offered by the american horse publications and if you've never heard of that organization it's the umbrella organization for all equine publishing so all the horse magazines different companies publishing houses are all part of this organization and I applied for it not really understanding exactly what it was and I won the scholarship which enabled me to attend their annual seminar and at that year it was held in Lexington Kentucky so uh, my my dad didn't really understand what this was either so he felt like he had to go with me to find out who these people <laughs> were and what they were going to do with me and so we went to lexington kentucky and it was one of the best experiences of my life i met editors and publishers and writers and photographers all across the equine industry from fox hunting to dressage to western writing. and it just really opened my eyes and focused me that This is what I was meant to do, was to write for a magazine that documented the Western lifestyle. And I think it's really important to do that so people can read about it later on. And today, I'm a proud member of the board of the American Horse Publications, and um, it's, it's all come full circle for me.
0: Oh, well, congratulations on that, and, 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 and that is so cool, and it is, it is so, you know, people are involved with horses in all types of uh, disciplines, but there's something that is just magic uh, um, about the Western lifestyle, and uh, people around the globe love anything that has to do with cowboy and, and the Western lifestyle that's that's just so so cool but um so how did how did you come to work with western horseman
2: well i began my career with horse and rider magazine uh, which was located in denver at the time and i spent six years there getting a foundation for writing and editing and what it takes to put out a magazine and it's a Equine Publishing is a very small world, and at some point or another, we always joke that we end up working for each other. So, some of the (laughs) editors I had worked with at Horse and Rider had went to Western Horseman, and I, at the time of living, I just moved back near Colorado Springs, and an opportunity came for a associate editor position at Western Horseman, and I had several people encourage me to apply because they knew that I had an interest in not only, you know, the Western horsemanship and ranching, but also the cultural aspects such as art and music and poetry and craftsmanship. And I was hired in 2002, and it's been an incredible ride ever since.
0: Oh, wow. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit of some of the uh the different things that you write about and some of your travels and experiences but um you familiar with any rawhide braiders
2: i am I know quite a few that's one of my favorite favorite um craftsman canvases
0: well for our audience that may not be familiar tell us a little bit tell us what rawhide braiding is
2: rawhide braiding it, they take a uh cow hide or it can also be horse hide other hides, and they stretch it and they dry it and treat it and cut it into strips very thin strips and then it's very intricate it's a very intricate art weaving those strands together and to create head stalls and quartz and all kinds of different tack and gear that lasts a lifetime
0: well you have just led us into our next song and it's one that is called rawhide braider and um you know bren hill
2: i know bren hill I, one of my first musical interviews was with bren and he is a good friend of mine and probably one of my favorite western artists
0: well, this is a great song by Brynn called Rawhide Brader," and we're going to come back and talk more about Miss Jennifer's travels and uh, some of her favorite experiences with Western Horseman Magazine when we return on the Campfire Cafe. Mm-hmm.
4: To wander too late, pull again Scraping hair off a high he had skin stretched and dry To cut braid and strings narrow and thin He taught me the trade in the cool Sunday shade The wisdom of more years than
1: I'd been Decades he practice the skill of the craftsman Or
4: usable love he would strive to so whisper to a world where nothing seems to last Or slow down the no one gets out alive Over to under to late, pull again I will teach you Riyadh, my friend Like a spirit they fly on the wind Over to Wonder too
0: song, Rawhide Braider by Brynn Hill. And um, you ever tackle any of that rawhide braiding yourself?
2: I've never tackled it, but I I have actually been invited to participate in a workshop, and I've written about it. And I had a unique experience last spring. I was at the Coconut 06 Ranch outside of Alpine, Texas, and I had a day free. I like to go in and meet the people I'm writing about and photographing and some of the cowboys that are there because despite what a lot of people think cowboys can be a little shy and they don't really take to having a reporter coming in too well so I always try to go in a little bit early and let them get to know me find out I'm not going to misrepresent them or do my best not to but we had a situation where we had to um we had a cow hide that needed to be stretched, and I didn't have anything that day, so I tagged along, and a friend of mine that was with me, um, he wanted to take that hide, and so I got to learn how to scrape a hide for the first time, and I found it quite cathartic and a nice change of pace <laughs> from holding a camera and a computer, and it was a fun time.
3: Oh,
0: wow. Well. Oh, well, Well, you get to...
2: And yeah, yeah, everything I get to write about at some point.
0: That is that is so cool. Well you have such a great you have such a great opportunity to visit uh uh you know, just interesting people. And uh and talk a little bit about what you what your focus is with Western Horseman and the kind of stories that you do and maybe some of your experiences traveling.
2: Sure. Well, Western Horsemen, our magazine is a very well-known and treasured brand that's been in existence since 1936 and it's been known for writing about ranching and horsemanship and cowboy arts, and all of those things are interesting to me and as a staff we all live and dream of writing about these things so it's pretty special we get to write about all different aspects of the Western culture, but for me, I really enjoy the salt of the earth, everyday working cowboy, ranch wife, um, just person people may not know that are out there living off the land and making an honest living. And the other aspect that I really enjoy are the cowboy culture articles, the musicians, the poetry, the art and the craftsmanship I, we, are, we are in a really unique culture where tradition still rules but yet there's exciting innovation and fresh young talent coming up that keep these traditions alive that add a little twist of their own
0: well i think for a lot of people uh to be able to experience any part of the west it, it comes from uh, the music and the books and the uh, uh, the art, uh, whatever form that art might take, whether it be paintings or whether it be, you know, baskets or saddle making or boot making or, or spurs or, you know, whatever that might be. That for many people, that's the only way they get to experience the Western. We sure don't have enough Westerns for people to get to enjoy like they used to do
2: know and you know as a result people have a real disconnect from where their food source comes from from where their shoes are made and how how these arts really do affect their daily lives and and i you know i really see it as a responsibility for us at western horsemen to document these things and to share them and keep people informed on what's out there and and really cater to you know their love of the West, even if they don't live here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about some of the interesting folks that you've met and, um, uh, and maybe, maybe let's kind of talk a little bit about poets. I mean, the, the Elko is coming up. Uh, the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering is coming up in just a couple of weeks. And uh, interesting how all that got started, but uh but these folks, for the most part, are real deal cowboys and cowgirls that are yes, out there. They,
2: talk, talk, they are. talk about yes.
0: some of the interesting, interesting folks that you met.
2: Sure, that Elko has been a huge part of my life. Um, it's it's like going home for me. It's I have made so many friends and had so many wonderful experiences and gathered so many stories there. And I've attended that gathering probably 15 years now, and we'll be going back, and when, there's so much exciting there, and, you know, the culture is even spreading. They have another event there called the Outside Circle Show that features a lot of diverse musical artists. It's, not, it's a side event held during the gathering, and I think it's exciting to see um, young talent creating their own events. And bringing in a younger younger demographic and sharing with them and one of my favorite stories I ever wrote and probably one of my favorite poets is Ross Knox who will be at Elko and he's a government packer at Yosemite National Park in California that's what he does full-time but he has a very colorful past where he was a packer in the Grand Canyon for many years and and he has a real knack for telling a story, and he has so many to share about going off the cliffs and all of his death-defying <laughs> incidents while packing in the Grand Canyon, and a, a funny story about that. Um, our publisher for Western Horseman at the time, Daryl Dodds and I traveled to, to the pack station where he bases, and we wanted to get an early morning photograph of him setting out with his pack string into the mountains. So we met him at the pack station before dawn, got photos of everybody packing up their horses, getting everything ready. And Ross told us where to meet him. And so we took our car and drove to a point where hopefully in about 30 minutes he would be passing along. And it was a very scenic, rocky area. And we hiked up to it. And we waited, and we waited and we waited and we started losing our good morning light and started wondering what was going on if something had happened and so i called ross and and i guess he had cell phone service and he said yeah we passed through there where were you guys and somehow i mean the the best laid plans and the best directions just turn not always communicated well there's not road signs or necessarily identifiable landmarks other than a big rock or something like that so we missed our opportunity because now Ross was set off doing his job up in the mountains and you know we didn't have any way to get up there so we waited all day for our second opportunity to catch him (laughs) when he was coming back And, and lo and behold we had three cameras shooting and different locations and we got the photograph and it resulted in one of the most probably one of my favorite stories I've ever written and it was in the February 2015 issue of Western Horseman and I used a lot of lyrics from Ross's poems um, to kind of explain different aspects of his life and it, it, he's really a true testament that what he writes about comes from his heart and his soul and his experiences. And, and that story, um, what made it even more special, is it won an award last year at the American Horse Publications for Pro
3: Oh,
0: well, con- congratulations.
2: Yeah. Congratulations. So that, that holds a special place in my heart.
0: Yeah. Well, there, there are so many of these folks that live inter- interesting life we've, lives we've talked with uh, uh, real ranch women that yep. I think are probably the backbone of ranching life in in most cases. Uh, uh, they deal with, well, birdships. ships. Um, Deanna Dickinson McCall. <clears throat> uh, I, I a ranch- hear that. Deanna Dickinson McCall.
2: Oh yes, uh huh.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, she's she's she comes from a ranching family and and still ranching, I think, out in New Mexico. But uh, uh, you know, for for years, no electricity. You know, they right. they ranched with no electricity, just like it was back in what we would consider the day. I mean, if my lights go out for an hour, I'm I'm lost. But uh,
2: yeah. I yeah. met Vienna last year in New Mexico, and she sent in a story this year for our Christmas issue, where she was talking about living without electricity and a lot of money to buy things for Christmas. And they had a blizzard, and they had their young daughters on Christmas Eve, and you know they were, you know, wondering how they were going to get to town to get Christmas presents for them, and. How they would have the money to do it, and suddenly a neighbor rode up and they would, didn't know you know why was this person out in this blizzard and he came and brought gifts for their daughter that their daughters that year and it's stories like that that just really weave together the values of the West and ranch families,
0: yeah, yeah, so it's uh, such great American stories we'd call those I think I would call those what the real American life is all about uh, today and those values that are still cherished and still upheld. Um, hey, we're going to take a quick break and, uh, and do a little promotion here. And uh, we want to remind folks that Equestrian Legacies Rendezvous 2017 is taking place June 1st through 3rd at Loretta Lynn's Ranch in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee and uh, it's to raise money for the Alzheimer's Association and the National Parkinson's Foundation. So we're going to be trail riding. We've got great Western artists that are coming in from across the country to perform, and uh, they'll be shopping with vendors, and you can visit Miss Loretta's museum and a real Western town that's there and um, might even find out what the story is about how all of that came to be. But a couple of the artists that are going to be performing – are Dale Shields and Stephanie Lane. And so we're going to play one of their great songs. This is from Dale's recently released CD called Wanted, and it's called Somewhere in the Rubies. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Jennifer Dennison, with Western Horseman, and uh, we'll find out a little bit about what it's like to travel out of the country to do some stories. You're listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net.
1: I knew which way to go I would hold you in my arms again I'd find the winding road again that leads back to you
4: And those ruby mountain storms They can't keep me I see you in my dreams.
1: I see you in my dreams. I see you in the rain. I see you in the rain. Oh smoky gray eyes. I'm so afraid I'll never see you again. I will hold you in my arms. If it takes until the end of time, pray you still wait for me somewhere in the rubies tonight. The rain. I see you in the rain, oh smoky gray eyes, I'm so afraid I'll never see you again. I will hold you in my arms, if it takes until the end of time, knowing that.
0: Somewhere in the rubies, Dale Shields with Stephanie Lane, and that is from Dale's CD, Wanted. And I think I forgot to mention, Jennifer, but if folks are interested in coming to Rendezvous 2017, they can visit our website at equestrianlegacy.net. And in the menu bar, just click on Rendezvous 2017 and see all of the great performers that are going to be there and, uh, and all the details about coming June 1st through 3rd as we're doing our fourth annual gathering to raise money for the Alzheimer's Association and the National Parkinson's Foundation. But um, uh, you meet such interesting folks And uh, some cowboys are kind of talkative. I I remember having Waddy Mitchell on the show one time, a real deal cowboy. And uh, it was real funny. He told me one time, he said, you know, cowboys don't like cows. We like our horses, but we just don't like our cows. And... so you know it's it's a job it's the, it's it's their livelihood and uh, uh yeah i think he told me he said you know he said we get out on twenty five thousand acres and he said we may we may be back there for a month um uh, mm-hmm. you know and we sit around the campfire and you know we tell we tell our stories we do our poetry that's kind of how all of this came about wasn't it it was
2: it' was definitely an oral tradition that Actually, a lot of the music that we listen to in the Western genre actually started as folk songs from Ireland and other places like that. And the oral traditions have just been passed on on the trail drives and um, continue to be a huge part of how we discuss the West.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's such a connection that between, um, uh, the Western music, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and other formed other genres because the, the, uh, the Celtic influence, uh, has affected the music from the Appalachian mountains, uh, with the bluegrass type music. And then, you know, took a little bit of a different form as it, as it traveled across the country out West. And, um, uh, to me, it seems like um, I'm seeing more of a trend in the Western music to kind of be the folk story of the West. And the music could be from any part of the country, but the lyrics are what make the difference a lot of times.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. people are interested in the honesty. and you know, We live in a world that's uh, plagued by controversy and politics and things that just really drive us apart. And during times like that, I think people search for things that are honest and true and represent a reality that either they have known in their past or they're searching to find. And that's been a huge draw for people to reconnect with their with the Western lifestyle through music. And we see that with the people that come to gatherings. And and it's really exciting to see young talent that are, you know, maybe taking either traditional songs or creating songs about this time in this place now with different types of melodies and instruments and, you know, creating, creating their own movement and their own attitudes that represent the West they live in.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, it's great. And it's great to see young artists that are coming on like uh, like Adrian, um, who actually has just come on the line. So, Adrian, I see you there and we'll we'll be bringing you on in just a minute. We may talk about you with Jennifer. Uh, she may have a story or something to tell about you. So I kind of teased Adrian about that last night, and she said, "Now I'm nervous. so <laughs> <laughs> I've but known uh, Adrian just,
2: a long time since she was just a little young girl in California getting her start.
0: yeah, well, she is a she's a neat young lady, uh, and we're gonna share a lot of her music and visit with her in just a minute. but you you just got back from a trip to uh, Costa Rica and uh yeah. tell us a little bit about that and and how that came about and maybe what the differences were that you saw between horsemanship there and and here in the in the in the states
2: yeah well it's it's exciting when you have an opportunity to cross cultures and learn about the horse cultures that exist in other countries you know we are a relatively young country and our horsemanship you know, is, is young, it's advanced, but, you know, we're pretty young overall. And, you know, when you go over to Europe and abroad and Mongolia and learn, Russia even and learn about the very early horse cultures, you, you really start to see how we've evolved. And going back to Costa Rica, um, I went there this fall with Tammy Pate, who does horsemanship and yoga clinics on ranches and at different retreats and she started doing them in costa rica and invited me to go along with her and we visited uh primarily two areas kind of in the western pacific side of costa rica we were we started off at a ranch called hacienda la lupita which is a very large cattle operation for costa rica and pretty progressive. There's pharmaceutical companies from the U.S. travel down there because they have pretty nice model of shoots for processing cattle. And for a country that is still primitive, um, this ranch really has set a standard. And we spent a few days there um, learning about the cattle. They They have a lot of the Typical Brema type cattle you see in Costa Rica, but they've added English breeds, English bloodlines to their herd, and that's enabling to get um, larger cattle, um, more meat, um, better weaning weights, and it's really improved the genetics of this cattle herd. And the owner also has a horse program where he crosses quarter horses with the native horses which are called criollos and he's creating a horse that has some substance um, but also the native ties and he also has some Pasifino stallions and that he uses for parades. He he trains these very animated um, Andalusian almost like horses that just have a lot of presence and energy and the parades are very important to that culture. So we, we learned a lot about the horsemanship there, which is, there are a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. They had not heard of Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt in the areas we were at. They didn't have snaffle bits and, um, hackamores as we know them. Um, they used one of the trainers we visited, he had a, he had a pelham bit. He was more advanced in his horsemanship. He trained the parade horses. But um, most of the working cowboys, they have a they call it a, a bozal, and it's it's a rope, real thin rope that goes around the horse's muzzle. And it's you know, I would probably say it's more like a cavesson, what we know as a cavesson, going around the horse's yeah, nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it has two rings underneath the jaw where the reins the reins are connected and it's similar to using a Bozelle and a hackamore but doesn't quite have the lightness and the feel and that was one of the first things we noticed is the horses just they don't have that lightness and part of that's they don't have the resources yet to horsemanship and that's part of what Tammy is hoping to bring down there is teaching them some different methods and it was it was very different and but at the same time I think we all learn from each other.
3: Right,
0: right. Well and you said the saddles were quite a bit different.
2: Yeah, the, the saddles um, we saw a few different types. I mean we never saw what we think of as a typical Western saddle here in the United States. The saddles we saw were almost like an A-fork saddle tree with a piece of leather over the top of it. Um, we went on a ride in a village called El Castillo, and that's near Arnold. We rode to a waterfall with a horseman named Lelander Alvarez. He's a young horseman who, whose family has ranched in that village for many years, and to diversify his family's ranch and earn extra income, he started offering trail rides to a beautiful waterfall in the jungle on his family's ranch. And he's crossing Appaloosa horses with the native horses. And, oh, um, wow. Yeah, and the saddles he has for his rides, they are more almost like an Australian-type saddle and have a crooper because um, the terrain there is very steep. And, you know, if a horse doesn't have good withers and um, – that Crooper kind of helps you out some. And, but it was it was all very different, and the saddles were very comfortable, actually. I wanted to bring mine home with me.
0: <laughs> well, I wondered about how, how comfortable those saddles might be.
2: It was. Uh, but, but, uh, something yeah. else I found interesting is every... The cowboys there, they're called saboneros, which kind of refers to stockmen or herdsmen, countrymen. Uh, they all carry... Large knives or machetes on their hips, and part of that's to cut the foliage as they're going riding through the jungle. Or you might come across a snake. We came across a boa constrictor one day, and so that was that was very different. Also,
0: <laughs> I would think so. I would think so. You don't run into too many of those on the trail in Colorado.
2: No, but, and we uh, ran right into one riding along. A,
0: Riding through the jungle. <laughs> oh wow, 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 well, it's you. You get to travel and meet so many different people and write about uh, these traditions that are so important to to uh, maintain and and uh, uh, share and and preserve. Um, we are going to bring Miss Adrian on in just a moment, and. Uh, uh, I know that you haven't done a whole lot of radio and you're a great guest, but I'm going to let you kind of come on and be co-host when we come in and talk with Miss Adrian, And, and you might share some of your, you might tell your tale on her when we come back. I what do you think about that? All right.
3: All right.
0: All right. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Adrian, Buckaroo Girl, Brannan on Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe. We'll be right back.
4: It's five o'clock. Gotta drop my party stuff. My coats are all humped up. My bones are cold, but I ain't home. Just barely legal. Drilling's hard on a girl But it's just a my kind of world When the crew comes to town And takes me out And you can't say
0: Adrienne Brannan, a.k.a. The Buckaroo Girl, is a force of nature. She's an exuberant, dynamic, talented singer-songwriter with an infectious positive attitude and a powerful voice. Adrienne is equally at home in the branding, pinrope, and calves or are on stage in front of thousands of fans. She takes her listeners deep into the lives and challenges faced by cowboys and ranchers through songs that re- reflect her experience growing up on ranches throughout the West western horseman magazine i think this was jennifer called her the buckaroos taylor swift and have chosen her song the will james days from her first cd highway 80 as one of the 13 best western songs of all times cowboys and indians magazine listed adrian in their next west highlights as one of the 20 bright young stars of the western world and without losing her passion for the ranching west adrian takes her fans to new heights through her emotion-filled lyrics and music. Both critically and popularly acclaimed, Adrian has reached into our souls and helped to see the truth of musical commitment which transcends traditional genres. Adrian, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you so much. Well, good heavens, if I ever need a confidence boost, I know where to go. <laughs> My heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, let, oh, let Jennifer write something for you. Yeah, we're doing great. There you go. We are doing great. I love it. So uh, you've got some exciting stuff going on out there in California today. What have you been doing this
5: morning? Well, this morning we've been doing uh, meetings at the TV station in Santa Barbara and dealing with uh, lots of water. (laughs) California is getting used to moisture again, which, you know, going from Northern California, which is where I've spent most of my time, to Southern California, uh, has been very eye-opening because I've never seen people not really know what, you know, moisture is before. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think California makes their telephone poles, like, I don't know if they make them cheaper down here or something, but it's like we get a little bit of water and they're just like, nope, they give up the fight and they're gone. They just, they give up so easily. It's it's amazing. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: okay. yeah, so well, it's I, it's I, been an interesting shared... morning. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Well, I I shared with you you ladies uh, just a minute ago that uh, Bobby Bell, who is our co-host out in Santa Clarita, uh, who's under the weather today, by the way. And so we hope she gets well soon. Uh, She's been kind of fighting with something for about a week. But she said, you know, a few months ago, we got a few sprinkles that came out. She said people were running out their front doors to look at the sky to see what that was (laughs) coming down.
5: That would not surprise me. That sounds pretty accurate for Southern California, yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. But um, anyway, you and Jennifer have a a pretty strong connection, and uh, I know, Jennifer, you did her first CD review. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, Jennifer.
2: Yeah, I was was trying to remember (laughs) how I first heard about Adrian, and I think I had... I, I do a lot of work out on the buckaroo culture and the vaquero culture, and I had to have heard about her there. But all I remember is somebody told me about this vibrant young woman that is the future of Western music and has this booming voice, and I had to hear her. And so somewhere, I think I was at a ranch rodeo, actually, and I found her CD. I think it was probably 2008. Was that when Highway 80 was uh, that
5: Yes ma'am. two thousand seven two thousand eight I was a baby
2: <laughs> yeah and i I got the c d and I wrote it, and you know there or I listened to it and you know it's it truly was I think at that time you know she was our Taylor Swift Taylor Swift was coming on there and on the music scene and was a role model for a lot of young women and you know wrote songs about her boyfriends and you know, her mom and things she loved. And, you know, what, I, what I've always been impressed about Adrian is, um, you know, she really stays true to her values and, um, and writes about the people and the culture that is so important to her, including her sister Liz and her dad. And it's just an incredible family. And I, um, a story about Adrian. I went to her family's house. They were living in Williams california at the time and they warned me about this place they're living on it was kind of way out of town and you basically drove up a huge mountain and the road (laughs) was very windy and narrow and and i got up there and i got to spend a couple days with adrian and her sister liz who was battling lyme's disease and it was a very uplifting experience but what I remember most about it is I got to stay in Adrian's room. If you want to connect with your subject one of the best ways to do it is to sleep in their space, I guess. You really need to like feel their aura. And Adrian had this little house that was outside of the main house and it was I mean it was a typical teenager's room, you know, it had lots of pink and you know, lots of books. And lots of flowers, but you know it also had working cowboy gear and range magazine and law books and <laughs> but what what I really noticed and still remember so vividly were she had little chalkboard places on her walls or little scraps of paper, and they must have been like favorite quotes or phrases or maybe lyrics that popped in her mind and and every now and then I'll hear one of those, one of her lyrics, and it takes me back to when I was in that room and I saw that quote. And, and it just, is just a memorable experience and felt a real connection with her ever since.
5: You are so sweet. Oh my gosh, now I'm over here just bawling my eyes out. My Lord, oh my goodness. I'm so
2: sorry you had to stay in a teenager's room. (laughs) I remember I I had to carry a gun out to my room. Yes, yes, you
5: did. Because we were, you know, you you talk about how far out we were. And, and you know, that that headquarters was in a really weird spot. There were three major ranches in that valley. But right about 500 yards up above our uh, our gravity feed tank that we used for water at the house. Um, there was Mexican mafia with uh, actually marijuana groves up there, and so we had really, really kind of bad characters around in that area a lot of the time. And so we always packed when we were horseback, and we always packed when we were feeding and out around the house. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like when people would visit, they kind of do the same thing as you. Like, oh, I need a gun to go to bed. This is a good rest <laughs> <and okay." laughs> Here's your shotgun, you know, enjoy your night's sleep. It's going to be okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow.
0: That's too funny. That is too funny. Yeah, I was I was, was I was wondering what...
5: eye-opening. Yeah, I was
0: wondering what you were going to find in that teenager's room laying around. So I, I've got four grandda- five granddaughters. So I, you know, I know what some of those rooms look like. But uh, oh, it was, it, it was.
5: I think there was a lot of pink.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. Thankfully, I've well, still
2: grown out of that phase, which is good. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Well, now that's, now that's she's cool. a
5: minimalist. Now, now she's yeah. Now I'm a minimalist. Now I'm an uber minimalist. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I know that when uh, when she was telling me this story, I said, y- "At least they didn't put you in a tent," because I think Adrian spends a lot of time in her tent. But uh, <laughs> she said, "No, it was it was a little house that was back there." So, hey, we want to we want to yeah. jump into another song, and then we're going to come back and talk about Adrian and um, some things that are going on. It's been an exciting exciting another exciting year for adrian and uh and maybe talk about some of those things that she had posted on her bulletin board as well but uh this is the song that we were talking about the introduction this is the will james days and adrian tell us about how you wrote this song
5: you know this uh this song is actually although it's kind of always weird for me i don't know if it's if it's weird for jennifer to like look back on things that she's written previously but for me, it's always a little odd to listen to this because I was 13 when I wrote it. And I actually wrote it, I grew up on Will James' books. And as kind of an admitted old soul, I I really connected to Will James's books and his artwork like, you know, so many people in the cowboy world have. And I was actually was um, <laughs> starting a um one day and was in our family's big round pen and it was just kind of one of those days where nothing was really, I don't know, we weren't really we weren't really gelling. It was hot, and the horse was kind of like, she wasn't having it, I wasn't having it. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to take a break. And so being a homeschooler, you know, I had my book out by the round pen. And uh, I just sat down, and I, I think it was uh, sand, actually, that I was reading. And I, I I was reading this book, and all of a sudden I went, oh, I have this connection to this person who – you know, was alive years and years before me that I've never even met, but I have this, this weird connection to him. And I literally wrote it in the back of that Will James book, um, sitting in the middle of the round pen. And I think then I went and put like the second or third ride on that Colt and it was great, (laughs) but it, it, you know, it happened really, it happened really just kind of naturally. Just kind of needing a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of a break and kind of turning to, my comfort which was art and, and and writing and yeah so will james he uh he's still probably my my favorite artist and and favorite writer to this day
0: all right well let's take a listen to the will james days and come back and talk more with adrian and jennifer on the campfire cafe
4: birds traveling from spread to spread. They were a different breed, dear.
0: Of the top thirteen western songs of all time, according to Jennifer Dennison. And uh thirteen years old when she wrote that. That's just pretty amazing. Pretty amazing,
5: Adrian. Uh, <laughs> you're very kind. Thank you very much. It's it's funny to kind of listen to you know I don't I don't listen to my own work a horrible amount, but when I do, it's always kinda uh, trip down memory lane a little you know a little bit to kind of go back and say oh you know where was I when I wrote that what was I doing kind of what was going on in life but it's it's kind of a nice memory it's fun to hear it in a different way on the show today thank you for that
0: <laughs> it, it's kind of fun it's and you're going to listen to more of your great songs as go along I had Dave stay me on not too long ago and Dave was saying he never listens to his stuff uh, you know oh, he no. does his rehearsals. <laughs> I said, "Well, you're in for a treat because you're going to hear a lot of great Dave Stamey music today. So, so will you. A lot of great Adrian music today. But uh, <laughs> hey, I good. was just thinking while we were doing that break in, and, and and I think I've got this right. But you were just uh, a yeah. you were just a little thing, and you were you were performing at. Um, were you in Santa Cruz when you were performing? Uh, and yes, some sir. folks came up. And and what happened? Unusual thing that happened about
5: something unusual.
0: Financing for your
5: first CD is. Oh yes, actually, this was at Monterey at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering in, in Monterey. Okay. Um, but yes, I was I was fourteen. I just turned. Uh, 14, and my sister Liz, who, you know, everybody hears tons about that poor girl, is so ready for me to stop talking about her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she she braided rawhide horse gear, and she had braided a bunch of riattas and a bunch of reins and dolls and stuff, and she had a little booth at the gear show um, when Monterey still had it over in the, not on the fairgrounds, but over at the hotel. And we, as a family, you know, Jennifer had mentioned that we're this very – Quite frankly, I'd call it weird, but we're a very close knit family. <laughs> we're all very, we're very, very close. Like my mom and dad, they're my best friends. I mean, they, they really are. We've been through a lot together, you know, third world countries for um, kind of <laughs> every, everything you can do in life. We've all done it together as a team. And so naturally, you know, Liz is going to go show her rawhide. So we all win. and uh a, a, about a week before we left my uh, my folks kind of said hey you know you've written these songs why don't you sing them on the open mic and i was like you think i won't watch me and so i knew two chords and literally and i had been playing the guitar for about 2 weeks and i'm kind of Jennifer I'll tell you this i'm kind of the, the sort of person that if somebody dares me or there's any kind of you can't do that it's like hold my coffee and watch this. Like I'm a, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> and, and I did. And it was, it was crazy to kind of see the reaction. And now looking back on it, you know, this little 14 year old girl, whose legs are shaking. I was absolutely terrified. And got up there and kind of squeaked out two originals and came back down and went, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to faint, but that was really fun. And we had these folks walk up and uh, just this lovely couple, um, this beautiful gal had been staring at me and I was kind of like, okay, mom and dad have told me, you know, like if you get a, a weird feeling from a stranger, like <laughs> they're and so I was like, this lady's looking at me weird. And I wasn't sure quite what to think about it. And then they finally came up and they said, hi, you know, you don't know us, but we're from Utah. And we think you have, you know, a future in music. What do you want to do with your life? And you know, I'm 14. I was wanting to be, I was singing opera at the time. I was a mezzo soprano and, um, I was kind of going in between being a bullfighter, a rodeo clown, a bronc rider, and or an opera singer in life later on. You know, I, I had fourteen-year-old dreams, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm not really sure." And they said, "Well, we'd we'd like to help you start your career, and we'd like to help you do an album and, and get you started." And I I remember kind of looking at him and going, "I gotta go get my parents, but like, <laughs> I, I have to go find my mommy here," and you know, it was the start of the weirdest, most amazing partnership. And I really, I, I consider these people, my, my second family. Now they have just, they, they changed my whole life. They're just unbelievable people. And, and they've done two albums with me. they did highway 80 and boots and pearls um, that we did with Tom Russell. And it was just, it was just this really weird start. Um, but, but that's kind of what they're like. Um, the names are the Vanderhoofs and, they love helping young people uh, get started with their dreams, and if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have found what I loved because I, I probably would have had fun and you know sung on an open mic or two, but I never would have probably pushed it like I ended up pursuing because of them. It was it was definitely an, a kind of a crazy experience. <laughs>
0: Well, that whole thing is just a great story, and and, and it doesn't happen every day, I'll tell you.
5: No, no, it doesn't.
0: They saw something special there. You've talked about Liz. uh, We talked about Liz early. We talked about Liz just then. Your family is close. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Liz and this next song that we're going to do called Hands.
5: Well, Liz, you know, a lot of people know Liz is my big sissy um and it's so funny somebody the other day said you know gosh you're in your early 20s aren't you aren't you done trailing around after your big sister and i kind of laughed it was like i i'm not trailing along but you know mostly it's because my legs are shorter i can't keep up with her when she's walking around she's <laughs> got longer legs than me but that girl is my best friend and you know it was just us two you know when we were at the big springs ranch in nevada when we were overseas it's always just been us two and we are closer than close and you know we've seen each other through now Lyme disease with her and kind of my my own past and 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 things that have happened there and we've seen our dad go to war and you know we've seen all these kind of different things happen but the one thing that we've had has been family and our friendship and that's never that's never stopped um and you kind of usually see that happen as as girls grow older you know they kind of grow apart and for us I think it's just strengthened. Uh, she's she's about five okay. years older than I am. And, uh, you know, she started um, she started working for herself when she was, I think, 12, 12, 13, kind of like me, um, except she was starting colts for people. And, you know, I've literally never seen a better horseman or woman than my sister. She's unbelievable to watch with a horse. And uh, when she got this You know, she got her first cowboy job in northern Nevada. Going out and visiting her was so much fun for me because, A, you know, oh, we're away from the folks, and we're cowboys in Nevada, and this is so much fun. And I think most of the time I was just standing at the gate too long and talking too much, which is not, you know, out of the ordinary. Um, (laughs) But it, it was really cool to be able to watch my best friend do what she was so good at. And the one thing that always stuck out was that this beautiful blonde girl who looked like a model, she had the scariest dang hands. I'm not kidding you. These things were just terrifying. They're just, I mean, they looked kind of like, they had these long, pretty piano fingers, but they kind of had the coloration and the scars of a guy. It It was just amazing. And it made a big impression on me. And then when she, you know, ended up coming home and was, and was, you know, kind of, she was bedridden and she was kind of half of the person that she'd been before. She was, kind of waif-like. She was hardly there and um, it was weird seeing this kind of change to her body and her hands and her personality from being taken from what she loved to do with a job. And it stuck out to me to see her calluses disappear. Her hands kind of get whiter. Them kind of go from being this tool to being something that sometimes couldn't hold a book. And It was amazing to me because no matter how weak she got from the disease, she still was always doing something kind for somebody else. She was always thinking about other people. It didn't matter that her whole world had been rocked or turned upside down. She was committed to making the world a better place for other people and helping others. And that was kind of the premise behind the song was that no matter what the outward appearance is, um... literally is the inside that matters and no matter what your hands are used to doing whether it's fencing or roping or cooking or, or or typing on a computer so long as they're doing good deeds and they're doing things for others they're beautiful
0: well, this is a special song, and uh, this is hands. It's from the CD Buckaroo Girl. And we're going to come back and talk more with Adrian Brannan and Jennifer Dennison in just a moment on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: They're torn and cracked Weathered and worn, Ripped and bruised and brown and strong And they may not be beautiful But they get the job done And they can't Like a man, even though they look small, my hands may not be your kind of beautiful, two silver rings and no diamond things, burns from cast iron in the brand, and the fire painted on a Saturday night. breaking up a My hands and my feet You're kind of beautiful And they can kind a calf Rope a cow sit a trap Shoot coyotes Hold the reins Twist the wire Sew a patch for a baby boy Look small, but they work like a man. In my hands may be your kind of beautiful. Shoe coyotes, hold the reins, hold the hand, whisper They live for God, but they work like a man. My hands may be your kind of beautiful, your kind of beautiful. And bruised Beautiful. and they get the job done
0: that is an awesome song and and I did have my tissue out during that, so <laughs>
5: Thank you very much. I'm, I'm sorry if I made you cry. I hate it when I make people cry, but at the same time, it's like, oh, they felt the song. That's so nice. I'm so sorry you're failing.
0: That's, <laughs> that's it. That is it. That's it. Hey, Jennifer, you were talking about you were talking about uh, these things that you saw posted on the bedroom wall. Um, tell us a little bit about what you were seeing and how that may yeah, translate well, today. Well,
2: when you know, when I was staying in adrian's room that time and it's at that moment in her life i think she was wanting to be a lawyer and help ranchers you know f- fight for their land and water and and she's really into um the red meat eater i remember that she had, she had written lines about eating red meat and <laughs> very much you know related to the rancher and and you know like all teenage girls, and I mean, to be honest, I still do this. I love inspirational quotes that will help me get through my day or help me get through a troubled time. And I think that's the beauty of poetry and songwriting. And you you would feel these lyrics and you relate to them. And, and I really felt that um, I had a connection with Adrian because she had quotes, you know, very inspiring quotes from old cowgirls, um, Musicians of all genres, poets, movie stars, and then there would be chalkboard ramblings that weren't attributed to anybody. And one of them that stands out in my mind was—I um, can't remember everything, but I remember there was on a on the chalkboard it said, "Now my life is all about missing you." And I really, you know, wondered what that was about. You know, was this a <laughs> boyfriend that went wrong? Is this? relative and and that song became very important to my life a few years ago um she, it, well, I, at that time i didn't know it was a song or if i don't even think it probably was a song at that point it's no
5: it wasn't <laughs>
2: and so um i received her boots and pearls cd and there was a song in there called missing you and, and i really loved this song and and I still, you know, wondered what this was about. And surprisingly, that that line was in that song. And I remembered seeing that on her board. And and I think it's. I remember asking her one time about it and telling her how, you know, it reminded me of losing my dad and losing um, the man I was married to. And and she told me that that was about Lizzie. And when Lizzie went off to work on ranches and left the, her family and. I think you guys were in Missouri at the time, so yep. I just I think it's really neat how Adrienne uses motive, uses her lyrics as motivation and ways to inspire people and touch people with her songs and relate to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh well, she's <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead, Adrienne.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, oh my goodness, that's so sweet
5: of you. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> like that means you have no idea how much that means to me, especially working on stuff for the new record that's just wow thank you you're welcome
0: that is so neat well you are you're a pretty inspiring young lady and um, um people need to visit your website so let's mention the website
5: right <laughs> okay <early. laughs> it's it's uh, kind of anything and everything is vector that is kind of everything online you just stick that into uh, into your search engine and It'll take you to probably more than you even want to know. <laughs>
0: yeah. but anyway, you, you blog or vlog. Uh, uh, blog is is kind of a new thing that a lot of people are doing. But you <laughs> you're also very active on Facebook, and um, uh, you have a you just inspire young women. You're doing something called Dear Cowgirl. Tell us a little bit about that and and how that um, came thank, about thank what, you
5: what goal is you know I, it didn't actually it didn't start out um as being something really on on purpose Dear cowgirl you know as, as a young girl i went through my own shares of share of of you know kind of trials and tribulations of the teenage years and 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 everybody has their own individual story um but when i got a little bit older i i started kind of looking back on some of my experiences as a young woman, and going, gosh, I, I wish there had been somebody that had been through similar experiences that I had that could kind of provide some encouragement and and say, hey, everybody feels this way at some point or another, or everybody has experienced this, or maybe not everybody has experienced this, but I get it, and I'm I'm here with you, and I'm going to support you, and it's going to be okay. Um, and, and something that specific, specifically pertained to what was what was going on in my life at the time and and uh, you know a couple of years ago I sat down and this beautiful young girl had written me and she was asking me what I would do um, about the situation that she was in and I wrote her this letter back and the letter turned into a letter to all women and it's funny because I posted it um, kind of taking out some of the personal markers that would identify the girl, but I, I posted it, not really even thinking about it. I, you know, I, I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter a lot. And, and and I love those social media platforms because it's a wonderful way to connect with cowboys all over the world um, and, and meet great people, quite frankly. But I didn't expect it to have the type of reaction that it did. I really was not anticipating that. And it it was really amazing to see how people went, Oh my gosh, I know just what you're talking about. I feel that same way. And so I started thinking about all the, you know, some of the things that are issues to me, like, is a woman white? I mean, it sounds so silly, but That's something that all women think about, that we're all upset and or glad about at some different points of our lives. But but women who work and operate outdoors and with livestock, we think about it in a different way. And we use our bodies and we use them in different ways than some people do. And some things that are considered beautiful to us in our culture aren't beautiful to other people and vice versa. And and so kind of talking about those things and those issues and, and what you feel, you know, like my pants just came out of the dryer and they're so tight, it's hard to get my leg up to get on my horse. Like that's something that every woman has dealt with at some point. Like it's so silly, but that's something that that you see kind of connecting with horse women and, and women who work with livestock. And and it's it's been a really kind of interesting way to connect with people from all walks of life. And then the funny thing has been that now that it's kind of started rolling, you know, we're... We're in production for a dear cowgirl coffee table book right now, which I'm I'm really excited about. Um, it, it's it's funny to see how men connect to it as well, and and I never really want them to feel left out. We've done a couple of dear cowboy posts as well, specifically to the guys, but especially a you know the other day I had a response from a gentleman who is talking about um, how his wife's face is so sunburnt and she has this funny tan, and it stops with her cowboy hat and he was talking about how that's one of his favorite things about her but most people wouldn't understand that and that's why he loved the Dear cowgirl post and so that sort of thing it's it's just it's really beautiful to see people kind of being able to relate to that it's it's really special
0: well it makes a difference and uh and uh, uh you have a lot of interaction uh, i know you have a lot of interaction on facebook you posted something the other day about about a weight thing and then people were sharing their photographs of themselves.
5: Um, <laughs> yes, sir. I you love know, that. And, that makes me so happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and um, you know, it's um uh, what what's that old saying? Beauty's only skin deep, but ugly's to the bone. Yeah. So if if you're <laughs> exactly. beautiful inside, that's where the important thing is. And uh and, and that exactly and as long as you have the confidence in yourself, that, that beauty shines right on through. And um,
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, in a world that really is focused on outward appearances, I think that's a really awesome, awesome thing to, to remember that you're not beautiful because of, you know, what you wear or how your hair is or what your makeup looks like. You're beautiful because what's going on on the inside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's important. You're doing a, You're doing a great service to a lot of folks and they're they're really connecting with you on that. And uh, so it is so cool. But we want to get to another song. And this one is <laughs> the title cut from Boots and Pearls. And anything you want to tell us about this
5: one? <laughs> you know, Boots and Pearls was it was it was quite a funny album for me because I was getting to work with a gentleman, Tom Russell, that, you know, had been my hero. I'd grown up listening to him in the saddle shop as a kid Um, and getting to work with him. It was kind of like, mom, pinch me. Am I here? Are are we really doing this? The Boots and Pearls was really kind of a silly teenager anthem for the time. Um, really and truly at that point in my life, everything was about starting to ride bucking horses and making sure that the guys knew that I was a girl and I was behind the shoots and lots of pink and, and running off and being crazy and kind of that rebellious teenager period. And it's so funny to see that kind of captured in song. But it was also about the connection between working outside and kind of being in a man's world while still maintaining femininity and maintaining that girliness. So, yeah, it's kind of the the dichotomy between the boots and the pearls.
0: (laughs) All right, well, here it is, Boots and Pearls, from the CD by the same name, and we'll be right back.
3: Boots,
4: that's what I wear. my blue jeans diamond rings and roses in my hair I rode a bronc he was tough the boys I
0: and pearls i think that kind of describes miss adrian just a little bit
5: (laughs) a little bit of rough and a lot of pink and flowers
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i've been kind of following you um uh on facebook some and you've posted some things the other day you kind of did your year in review uh the other day a a little a little youtube thing that you had posted so you've had quite a year you uh You've uh, been performing at different places. You've kind of been traveling uh, with your tent, and uh, <laughs> your your morning views are pretty awesome. So, what's the year been like for you?
5: Well, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you know, I really i've I've gotten a lot more involved with YouTube the last little while, mostly because uh, earlier this, you know, in in 2016 in the spring, I packed up and I decided to take off for the summer and I finished up with my classes and just decided I wasn't going to work through the summer this time, which I usually do. And um, I packed up my cowboy teepee and, and I hit the road and I had a bunch of shows scheduled across the West and I kind of stayed, you know, within North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, California, Oregon, uh, New Mexico, that kind of, that kind of, (laughs) Whole side right there, um, and it was it was a really really incredible time. It was about four and a half months I was on the road straight, and I think I came back home to SoCal once or twice, um, actually to re- restock on CDs and and sleep in my own bed, you know, well once, <laughs> and it was it was just amazing. It was really I was alone and I basically just lived out of my teepee and, and camped across America. And it was a really incredible experience. I stopped at every historical marker that I ever wanted to. Um, I'm a huge history buff. And so getting to visit some places like Bent's Fort and some of the old fur trade areas that I'd grown up reading about was really exciting. And, and because I was alone, you know, there was never any pressure except to get to a show. It was just kind of wander and explore and, and get to kind of have that childlike exploration um (laughs) possible and not worry about things like you know watering a lawn or you know paying bills or anything like that it was just this kind of intense freedom and it was it was a lot of fun it was definitely you got a little tense there sometimes you know if you're a single woman alone on the road it definitely presents some unique challenges but it was always worth it and, and so much so much fun
0: Oh wow. Well, you're uh, you I think you're one of a kind, Adrian, and um <laughs> and and so you're we love that kind. about you. You are an individual uh uh who who shares and gives back both through their music and through their their encouragement and we appreciate so much you doing that. And thank you for being with us today. I know you've had a unusually busy day that's kind of popped up for you, so thanks for taking the time <laughs> to to be no, with us and thank you yeah um let's give your website again one more time
5: it's dot girl.com and uh yeah we've got everything linked up there we've got the youtube the twitter the instagram the facebook i don't even know if i'm missing anything else the, the blog is up there everything <laughs> all of that of stuff of, is up there
0: uh, <laughs> and you got a store on there so they can do buckaroo girl stuff and, and all kinds of things yes, you're sir. just a yep busy busy girl
3: <laughs> and
0: uh Find her, find her website, find out where she's performing and also go like her on Facebook as well. Adrian Buckaroo Girl, you can find her there. And, um, uh, I know you've got to run again. Jennifer is going to, she's going to be kind enough to hang with me for just another minute, but uh, we want to do one more <laughs> song before you're gone. And this is another one from the CD. uh, 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 uh I forgot what CD it's from. Boots and pearls. I might be able to tell
5: Boots, Boots and pearls. <laughs>
0: Boots and pearls. This is this is one called "Stories We Could Tell." I really, really love this song. Tell me about this one real
5: quick. Ooh, this is actually a, um, this is one of the only cover songs that I actually do. This is a Towns Band dance song, um, and I first heard it by Tom Petty when I was a kid. We're huge Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers family, and um, you know when Tom and I were in the studio at, at Wave Lab in Tucson, there where I record we kind of looked at each other and went, okay, a cover song. And it was kind of one of those moments where you just connected over an idea and we both kind of fell into stories we could tell. And it was so funny because we were running through this song. He wanted to hear how I sounded when I sang it. And then he started singing with me. And our engineer, Craig, just kind of started recording. And we just kept going. And this was really, I think this final take was just kind of us having fun singing together and we were singing at each other and it was kind of like teasing each other and kind of making fun of each other and having fun during the song so it was this really kind of natural I don't know organic process that kind of brought about the the actual duet of the song because it definitely wasn't intentional so it was it was a really fun one to sing
0: well it's a fun one to listen to and let's listen to stories we could tell this is adrian Brannon with tom russell and adrian thank you again for being with us look forward to having you back uh and we won't wait as long next time to get you back so (laughs) thanks
5: great thank you so much thank you for having me i so appreciate it thank you
0: (laughs) good to have you all right here we go stories we could tell
4: Talking to myself again Wondering if this Traveling is good Is there something Better doing We'd be doing If we could And all oh, the stories We could tell Dip if this all Blows up and goes to hell I can still see on a bed in some hotel listening to the stories we could
1: tell Tom You remember that guitar in a museum in Tennessee The nameplate on the glass brought back twenty memories And the scratches on the face told of all the times he'd felt singing and the stories he could tell And all the stories he could tell And I bet you it still rings like a bell
4: I'm here every night And you're singing for a living beneath the brightly colored lights
1: If you ever wonder why you ride the carousel, boys you did it for the stories you could tell
0: we could tell, and that is from Boots and Pearls, the CD, and that's Adrian with Tom Russell, and uh, Jennifer Dennison, you have just had your first experience as a co-host, and you did great.
2: It's been fun, thank you, I've enjoyed it.
0: Well, we've loved having you, uh, just visiting with you, and then and then having you join us to visit with, with Adrian has just been a real hoot. And, and I really, I had no idea what you were going to share with us that you'd found in that little house behind the, but you didn't tell me about having to pack to go to the.
2: That's right. <laughs> yeah, there, there, I had to pack a gun with me out there every night just, just for safety, which, you know what, maybe that's just a good practice in general these days.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, tell us what's coming up with Western Horseman and how folks can get in touch with you.
2: Sure. Well, Western Horseman, it's far more than a magazine. We've been in business since 1936, which I believe I mentioned. And uh, we are starting to do a lot more events to engage in our readers and offer them high quality horsemanship experiences and Opportunities to connect with horses and horsemen and the Western lifestyle, and one thing we have coming up in March—it's March 2nd. It's the Western Horseman Sunrise Sunshine Classic, and it's a remarkable team roping um, for number 10 and over 40 ropers. And it will be March 2nd at Dynamite Arena in Cape Creek, Arizona, and. This year, we are also partnering partnering with the Mustang Heritage Foundation and holding a um, special event at the Extreme Mustang Makeover, which is in Massachusetts oh, wow. it's in June, and we have plans in the works in 2018 for introducing a Western Horseman Expo, so there's lots on the horizon for Western Horseman, we're far more than a magazine, we are a culture in itself that extends to events and also to our online articles and social media so we have fresh material that goes up on our website westernhorseman.com weekly several times a week and we also have a western horseman instagram page and a western horseman facebook page and Anybody is welcome to follow me as well on Facebook and Instagram. My Facebook's Jennifer Dennison, and that's D-E-N-I-S-O-N, and I'm on Instagram as CulturedColoradoCowgirl. Colorado Cowgirl. So I, like I invite that. everybody to be social and connect with us.
0: All right. Well, you have been absolutely a joy to have on the show today, and we look forward to having you back. And um, And we appreciate our audience out there. Thanks for joining us every week for the Campfire Cafe in Saddle Up America. And we want to remind you that you can tune in on Sundays for Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale, that show starts at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and as all of our shows are, they're archived, so you can go back and listen to them at any time, or as Belinda says, at your convenience. And uh, our website is mobile-friendly, so you can listen to us on your smartphone or your tablet as well as on the computer. And some of these newfangled cars even have that already pre-equipped in the car so or truck. So you can listen to us that way, too, as well. But, uh, Jennifer, thank you for being with us. And, uh, again, thanks to the audience for joining us. And we're going to close out the show today with one more from Adrian Brannan, and it's one called Down the Rio Grande. Thanks for listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio heard around the world, streaming live and online and on demand at equestrianlegacy.net.
3: Baby
4: pulled her blue dress on and walked out late last night Left her one silk stocking dangling from the bedside light I sobered up and called her name just before the dawn I followed footprints through the sand and knew where she had gone down the Rio Grande I pulled out of Albuquerque, must have been past eight Four cups of coffee and I hit the interstate Rolling through last Cruces, I thought I saw her car She always said she'd go someday, but she never said how far down the Rio Grande, down the Rio Grande. Maybe she's in Brownsville, she got some family there. Rain. But who knows what the hell I'd say If I found her again down the Rio Grande
3: Down the Rio Grande.
4: south on Highway 90 Sky began to clear Black mountains up ahead Red sundown river view Haunted by her dark, wet skin To move next to mine I swore that things would change If I could hold her one more time Down the Rio
3: Grande Down the Rio Grande. Maybe she's in
4: Brownsville She got some family bear She always talked about the soul salty Still where the river ends the Rio Grande I bought a bottle in Del Rio I pulled out off the road I spent the night staring at the lights of Mexico Walked down to the border bridge about the break of day. I threw that empty bottle off and watched it float away down the Rio Grande. Down the Rio Grande. Now I'm Maybe pull a blue dress on and walk down in the night Down the Rio Grande